Hello and welcome to the Beyond Resilience Life podcast, a show about life adversity, how to overcome it and transform your life. This is your host, Dr. Lidiana Garcia, a licensed psychologist in Los Angeles, California. And even though my hope is to deliver information that can be helpful for you to overcome adversity and transform your life, it is not meant to be a substitute for being diagnosed and treated by a licensed mental health, medical, and related professional. Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Beyond Resilience Life. Today, I have the honor and pleasure to interview one colleague that we used to work like a long time ago. I cannot yes. even, almost 10 years. Yes, uh-huh. you're right. Like, oh my God, this is like, <laughs> we're telling our age with this, but almost 10 years ago. And it was while I was working in the most supportive team I've ever worked at. Yeah, I would say the same thing. Yeah. It was like, even though it was the hardest job I've ever done, it was one of the most supportive team because we were doing like home base, school base. I took a client to the beach once. I mean, it was wherever, wherever, the court, <laughs> uh, you know, the park, it was yeah. the hospital, the doctor, like, yeah, it was wherever they were. And we were on call 24 seven, the whole team, Elizabeth, Elizabeth, she was at that time a case manager. And right now she is a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she has her practice in South Bay, and I'll let her tell you guys a little bit more, but that's her, so welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here, and I definitely agree with you. That was a very intense program we worked in, but it definitely was so much experience. Just gaining so many twin strategies, super high, but I think it was an amazing them where they are home. Yes. I, I feel like even though it was 10 months for me, like almost 11, that's I felt it? like it was yeah. Really? I, I yeah, felt like you were there I, for like two, three years. But that's what, you know, and that's yeah. what I was going to say. Even though it was 10 months that I was working there, it oh felt like God. it was like three years of practice because I completed during that year the thousand hours that I needed for my licensure, mm-hmm. basically. And But it felt like it was three years because it was so intense and we were so intertwined and, and working so in deep with the family and with the team members. I feel like it was one of my first experiences that we did have to work as a team. We just couldn't survive alone. Yeah, I think that definitely having the team there as a support was just such a big like support system. If you don't have that, that's yeah. probably a whole other. I know. I feel like, <laughs> yeah. but you know, we can do definitely a segue because today we're going to talk about how to build resilience during the preschool age. And I feel like part of it is importance of finding a system, finding support and all oh. that. So, you know, that's how we're going to connect it. But anyway, so Elizabeth, can you tell us a little bit more about you, the work that you do and your go-to skills to manage the preschool stage? Because you have, well, you already have a kinder. No, he's in school. Yeah. And then you have a, is he a preschool? But it's some toddler's preschool stage. So you've had, you've done it. So what are your go-to skills? So that's the second part of the question. Well, so first off, I'm a licensed marriage and family. I have my practice in Long Beach and so I have a lot of experience in working with trauma. So I do trauma with different age, with little babies all the way to 18 and, and adults. And a lot of my experience my training is with trauma work, but I have done a variety of different things for parents, the incredible years, and a lot of trauma work with babies and parents, EP and TFCBT trauma focus also. So one of the things that I preschool tools that I use is absolutely necessary to play. I enjoy doing play with them and I think that is confounding. Everything that we're going to discuss, like play, has so much to do with how to build certain strategies, 
Haru. So for me, that's one of the most important skills that I use in my sessions with my kids, with my own personal children. It's such an astounding. Mm, thank you for bringing that. We haven't talked about that as far as I know in this season on play, but I find it it's so important. Yes. Can you please tell us a little bit about the preschool developmental state? Like overall about their emotional, mental, and physical needs? Because a lot of parents, even though for us, it's like, oh, we know this. We've taken so many developmental classes. But for mm -hmm. parents, a lot of them, they, they have no idea. Right. So for that age, a lot of it revolves around everything is theirs, right? It's mine, mine. Anything that they have in their hands or see somebody else have, it's theirs. And they want it for themselves. So realistically at that age sharing is not something that is like an automatic function or anything that they know how to do or for them to do so that's one of the things it's very common for them to have tantrums at that age too because they are still learning and haven't built a coping strategy at that time. so a lot of tantrums at that age and everything is a learning mix because they are like sponges where they're obtaining every information that they see around them, the environment around them, what they're experiencing. So everything is very much learning. And when we talk about the preschool, I know like I'm separating this and I'm having several other episodes before, but we have like the toddler, which is one to like three. And then some people include three to the preschooler. But what are the ages that you kind of consider more preschool? So that way people can have a clear idea. So for preschool, it would be between three to four years old ages, some of the two as well, but more going into. Okay, good to know. And then after four, what do we call them? I have no idea. School age. Oh, school age. Okay, so my son is school age. I've been calling him preschool. I was calling him toddler until recently. <laughs> I'm like, oh God, yeah. Um, but it's interesting because every stage, there's definitely a big change in many different things. There are, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. So there are so many things that they're learning at that time. So every, like you said, every stage they're learning something new. Yeah, some things get easier and some things get harder. Yeah, that's that. <laughs> from my own experience and from the work with the parents that I do, yeah, definitely. Yeah. What are some of the common, like the most common concerns you hear from parents that have preschool? So one of the things that I hear a lot is how to, get them into a certain routine. So they want to get them ready for school, right? For example, they're going to be starting school. So how do I get them in a routine that they go to bed at a certain time? And that's one of their concerns. One of the things, there's sometimes parents who are trying like two or three months in advance trying to get them in a certain And I think that that that's some anxiety on their part. <laughs> so they're giving their, their own child some of their own anxiety. But I have to talk to them like, you know, it just takes maybe just two weeks, a week in advance. Not so much time because it for time moves differently for little ones. And if we can remember being kids, it's very different. Things take a lot longer. So they don't need two months preparation, one weeks of preparation and getting them into that routine. That's all it takes. So that's one of the things, how to handle their This is a big one. Yeah, that's a big one because sometimes they're having tantrums in public places, sometimes when in a very long day and they're very frustrated. So a lot of the things that I have to work on with the parents realize, well, you know, they not only are, it's not just a tantrum because they want to have a tantrum express themselves, don't have all the words, even us as adults. Sometimes we throw adult tantrums, right? So, yeah. <laughs> so we need to be the model. The adult has to be the model for the child. The child can learn eventually at some point how to 
verbalize and make themselves and like, you know what, I'm really upset. That wasn't fair. Or I really wanted that candy, get it. So that takes time. It's not something that happens overnight. It's not that happens because they are learning so many things regularly. It's not a function for them. And a lot of times it's reminding the parents to have a lot of patience. What else? I think one of the big things, reminding parents that they are the model for the model. Yeah, that's one of the biggest ways that the kids learn how to regulate themselves, how to treat others, how to basically do most of the things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they're not doing it on purpose. I think when we're exhausted and we're tired, we're just like, come on, like, why are you doing this? So it's really sitting with them and letting them know you're really angry, providing the words for them. You're really angry, really wanted that toy and buy it. And you're angry and that's okay. You can be angry. And that's another misconception. Like, don't cry. Don't get angry. I get a lot of frustrated parents who don't want their kids to cry or don't want them to be angry. But that's a normal human. We all have emotions and even negative emotions are okay experience. So letting the child know it's okay. Yeah, you're angry. And, and we all get angry sometimes too. And I'm sorry, you're, you won't be able to get a toy right now, but I can be, I can yeah. allow you to feel angry. And that's one of the hardest ones because if as an adult, you have been avoiding your emotions and you cannot even manage or tolerate anger or frustration, right. then it's going to be way harder to actually model it to your children of being uh, so, okay with that emotion. So be sitting with it and, and allowing for, you're right. Especially as I was talking with you all, the audience, in terms of how to also see it from that reparenting. Because when you have that little one, that preschooler that's doing these things, that is just experiencing emotion in a very intense way, it can trigger us or it can yeah. trigger how we were not necessarily neglected, but maybe how our parents were like, Callate, or like, don't talk, or like, go over there and like, don't cry, or all those kind of things. So then it could be a moment that we might feel like we're back into that time. Exactly. Yeah. It absolutely, it definitely triggers a lot of the, it's a lot of the work that this is why I enjoy child parent psychotherapies. It does, it does allow you to talk to the parent process on traumas, but that does come up a lot with the parents where they, sometimes they don't see it and they don't realize it that, that. It has to do with their own trauma. But once we process it, they're more uh, attuned yes. where, okay, you know, I, that is my trigger. And that word is so important throughout the zero to five attunement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And by doing this, we're helping them mm -hmm. to actually be able to then regulate them. So it's so important. Mm -hmm. Yes. What are some of the ways parents can instill resilience in preschool? So it's, it's absolutely important to, to have even at least one adult that's supportive of a child, that I think is very ideal. And sometimes, you know, obviously there were two parents, it was better, but as long as there is one caregiver, it doesn't even have to be a parent, like a coach, a teacher, as long as there's some supportive that's there with a child, then that definitely helps resilience in the long run. So another thing is because the parents are there, as we were talking about earlier, modeling kids. So it's very important that they can model resilience to their children and as well be open to their children, available to their children so that they can create those that strong bond and that connection so that they have just a support system in place for them. Yes, it's so important that the children see us taking our time mm -hmm. and putting our needs also first because sometimes we feel like and at this age, they're able to understand a little bit more. An infant is a little different. Mm -hmm. But at this age, you know, if you're like, mommy needs five minutes of taking a breath or whatever, 
then you're also letting them know that it's okay for them to ask for what they need down the road. So it's so, so important. Absolutely. Because when you are, you shut them down, that just so many changes in the brain and the behavior and they're just allowing that, you know what, give me a five minute breather and <laughs> we'll, we'll get back to this. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. Yeah, because definitely the caregiver's mental health and emotional health is in caring for the little one. And you guys have heard this almost in all the episodes, so <laughs> it's not my underlying agenda, oh, yeah. you know, but it, in general, it's something that we consider super, super important. As you can see, it's from all the different guests. I'm not even asking about that specifically, but there was no preparation for that. No, no but yeah, it's just, you know, in every episode, we keep reminding how important it is for us to take care of us. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what are some of the ways the parents can work on improving their own resiliency? <laughs> while raising a right <laughs> so definitely finding the time to have or practice any type of calming strategies different things like meditation or just guided meditation or freestyle meditation but one of the things that i like to practice with grounding strategy for them which is all five senses where they have used their tactile sense whatever they have near them, whether that's a sweater, a pillow, kind of themselves seeing the sensation of what they're touching and then being on to sight, identifying maybe a certain color and see around them and how many of that color they can find. And then just here, just inside listening to what they're hearing in the background or whether it's box ticking or air ventilation, they, they can be attuned to that. And then moving on to taste. A lot of times I like to use if there's no nut allergies, almond and, and swishing it around their mouth and what that feels like in their mouth and what it tastes like. And then smell. What is the smell of that? So those are, that's something that I like to use a lot because it's very easy and they use one that they prefer the most and that brings them back to their... Yeah. And it's like a ongoing practice. <laughs> it's, it's not easy because it takes time. It yeah. And one of the things that I, I think parents kind of get in the way of it being easier or like make it more complicated is how busy we are and how over schedule we are and how mm -hmm. our lives can be for the most part again very busy and then mm -hmm. we're like okay we don't have time for your emotions right now because i need to cook dinner because otherwise then i won't be able to pick up whatever or pick up your sibling or you know it's like we're in that mode mm -hmm. Yeah, and they also have to remember they're modeling. All of this goes back to that. They are modeling for their children. So whatever they're, if they're bringing out any stressful feelings, their child is definitely pick up on that or any frustration, anything. Their child's going to pick up on that and they're going to, they don't have the words to express it and it's going to come out in their behavior is what we're doing. And something else that we forget is that children are also experiencing stress. Like my son started preschool around three and I remember in the evenings it would be like a little meltdown and I'm like first it was like what's and then it like it dawned on me like he was like for almost seven eight hours in that school setting even though it was a small school setting and all that but it was still too much for him yeah, yeah. it was like you know and with all these other children also experiencing all these emotions so he would come home and have like a little meltdown of like that was his way of releasing it mm -hmm. yeah and I think another thing is for parents there's some parents who are just so hard on themselves and unforgiving of, you know, any mistake that they make. And you know what? We all make mistakes. Nobody is perfect. I make my own mistakes probably on a basis. I'm not perfect, but I recognize them and I say to myself, okay, I'm going to try to do better next time. You know, I don't want it, but absolutely perfection does not exist. So that's another thing that I talk to them about. And 
remind them that it's just something that you grow to make changes. Can you give an example of a repair? Because sometimes we know we say this to parents, but I wonder if sometimes we need like an example. So what would be something that they can say when they make a mistake or something? Oh, okay. So absolutely being open to it. Uh, mommy was mad, she yelled, and that was not okay. And I could tell that it scared you or that you really upset after I yelled. Next time I'm going to try better not to yell. And I'm so sorry for having done that. So that would be an example, very simple. Very simple and very short, because sometimes we go into like, oh my God, I'm so, and then it becomes like, now they have to take care of us. <laughs> yeah, you go into, yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. So it's, I love that it was very simple, straight to the full, apologizing, validating their feelings, recognizing that they didn't have any fault in it, and that's it. And, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and that many people might be like, oh, you know, I'm saying apologizing a lot. This is so important because this lets children know that they're seen, that they're heard, that they matter. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Yeah. And you're modeling for them that it's okay to apologize. <laughs> yes. Yes. Thanks for bringing that back. Yes. We're always modeling everything and we want them to apologize down the road when they make mistakes. So, and, and a lot of parents complain like, my son is not taking responsibility. Um, do you yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. What are some of the resources that can help parents navigate this? There's like any book or any website. Yeah, so one of the websites that I think is one of my go-tos for that is called the Center for the Developing Child from Harvard University. And they have resources in a ton of different languages. They have their Spanish and other languages as well. But they talk about just about play. They talk about the importance of two-way communication with from baby to young children. So it goes to different levels as well. So I think that is amazing. Thank you. I didn't even know. Okay, great. And where can people find you? I know you have a practice in Long Beach, but where can people like find your services and contact you? Uh, Yeah, definitely. So I am in Long Beach, so they can always call me at my number, which is 562-5484. Even just to check in or consult about, or I mean, they have a question about services. Yeah. Yeah. So important. And do you have by any chance, like any offerings, like uh, groups or workshops coming up? You know what? I am currently running a group. This is for uh, anybody who females, Spanish-speaking females, who are experiencing anything that's going to share and discuss. I am running a group at the Yatunde Resource Center. They are located in the heart of every Monday from 6:30 to 7:30, and they're addressing West of Compton, 90220. And how can they sign up? They can just show up. They don't need to sign up. It's free. They don't need insurance. And they can come in any day on at that time. <laughs> There's no childcare, right? There is childcare. Oh, childcare is. is available and they have snacks. So anybody who would like yeah. to come as well. Yeah. And do you know when is it going to stop? Like, does it have an end? At this time, it's an, it's an open group. So there's okay. no end this time. But Mondays, 30. Perfect. I would say... When you listen to this episode, because we probably recorded like right. several months before, to contact Elizabeth and make sure before you actually drive there. But yes, yeah. thank you. Thank you for this. And thank you for joining our show and telling us about, you know, your expertise and experience. It was so helpful. Thank I really you. appreciate it. No, thank you for having me. I really appreciate here. And I know I have a, such a close connection to you because we started our careers. <laughs> Yes. yes. Thank you again. Okay. So I'm in for the audience. Thanks for listening and we'll talk soon. <laughs> 
Thank you so much for listening to Beyond Resilience Life podcast. I'm so happy to have you here. If you like this episode, please make sure to review it and comment on it and share it with your friends and family. Until next time. 